Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the Active Skin Repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Welcome to the Wannabe Minimalist Show, episode number 32. Today, we are going to be discussing Swedish death cleaning, and it's not as morbid as it sounds. Instead, it's the biggest craze since Marie Kondo and her life-changing magic of tidying up. Hey there, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Deanna Yates, creator of LittleGreenBow.com and your resident wannabe minimalist. Today, we are looking at possibly one of the craziest methods for decluttering and organizing your whole life and home, well, at least in America. It's called Swedish death cleaning, and to be honest, the theory is not that new. But as I talk to people in my everyday life about minimalism and how to be more organized, I am surprised at how few people have actually heard of Swedish death cleaning and what it means. Now, I actually had planned to record this and air this podcast in mid-March, but then COVID hit, and it just didn't feel right. But this is a super important topic, and if you have struggled with finding your why as you declutter your home, this could be the thing you need to hear. In fact, the whole quarantine has us re-examining our lives and how we want to live them more than ever before, and that's really what Swedish death cleaning is all about. It's more about life and how you live now versus, you know, dying. But before we dive in, just a little housekeeping. You can pick up the show notes for today's episode by going to littlegreenbow.com slash 32. Again, that's littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 32. Okay, so this whole movement was started by Margareta Magnuson, and I apologize because I'm probably butchering her name, Um, but she is the author of a book called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. Now, her book was released back in 2017. That's why I don't say it's such a new concept. And over the past few years, people have decided that they either love or hate the idea of getting rid of your things with your mortality in mind. But here's the truth. We're all going to die. 
right? The saying is, there's nothing more certain than death and taxes. We just have to be able to confront that reality. But the idea behind the movement is to declutter your belongings so that your loved ones are not left with a whole house full of stuff to deal with when you pass on. By the time that happens, your family is going to be busy mourning your loss. They're not going to be in the mood to declutter and go through box after box of things that you kept. So this is just one of those things that you need to think of with your loved ones in mind. It's really more about them and the legacy and what you want to pass on. Your family is going to be racked with guilt for tossing and donating these items. And they are going to have a hard time with selling these pieces because they have a connection with you. You know, they love you. And oftentimes, families and members of your family, your children, they will imbibe these items with the sense of you. And really, the sense of you is in your memories and your interactions with these people in your life. It's not in the things that you own. And so this is really where this concept comes from. And if your family is like mine, decluttering your belongings while you're still on this planet may actually save some really uncomfortable family arguments down the road. Let's just say that my sister and I, we fall on opposite ends of the stuff collecting spectrum, and I'm terrified of the day when we have to go through my parents' house together. So perhaps this is why it's better to make those decisions on your own while you still can. You might save some family arguments down the road. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, Swedish death cleaning is really about thinking of your family first. So if the idea sounds interesting to you, how does one go about decluttering in this style? First, I want to encourage you not to get too hung up on the word death. Now, after examining the concept, it is most closely related to downsizing in the States. Of course, it's a bit different, but it might be easiest for you to think about what you would take with you if you were moving from your current home to a much smaller house instead of thinking about it as dying, right? So for example, if you live in a three-bedroom home with a separate dining room and a bonus craft room or an office, think about what you would take with you if you moved to a retirement community with only one bedroom, a den, and a small combined living and dining room. I mean, that's a significant change. As you look around your home, there will be obvious things that you are happy to get rid of. In fact, I bet you'll even feel a sense of relief at the thought of being able to get rid of those items and get them out of your home. Now, these are the items that you can just get rid of as quickly as possible. Get them out of your house. Declutter them now if you can. However, if it's something like furniture that's serving a purpose, you can keep it, but let your loved ones know that these are items that are of no importance to you. It will be incredibly helpful for them to know the items that they can sell or donate guilt-free. Next, there will be things that you like and you use, but they don't hold much sentimental value or significance to you. Go ahead and keep these items if you want, but know that this is another category that you can declutter pretty easily if you desire. Now, the final category is going to be the toughest, and these are the ones that you want to pass on to your loved ones. If you're not using these items, but you want to keep them in the family, now is a fantastic time to ask your children, siblings, cousins, or friends if they would like to have it. I will say my parents did a really good job of this when they moved from the house where I grew up to their current home. 
being able to give something you love to someone else so that they can love and use it is very satisfying. Now, the tricky part is making sure that you are not burdening your loved ones with your items. So you want to ask in a way that's open-ended. Say something like, we really love this piece, but we're not using it enough. Is this something you'd enjoy having now? Now, be open to the answer, as this is your stuff. It's not your family's. They didn't choose to purchase it. So if they say yes, you'll be able to live the joy of seeing someone else enjoy your things. And honestly, that feeling is so good. But for the items in your home that you love, you use, and you want to pass on later, consider letting your loved ones know who you want to gift those items to. And it may save a lot of headaches down the road. Or you can ask your kids if there's anything in particular that you own that they really want. And then that way, it kind of opens it up and and just starts that conversation. All right, so the second thing for us to know when we're decluttering in this method is to remember that it's not a quick process. Now, I read a quote recently that said, we spend the first half of our lives acquiring stuff and the second half letting it go. The sentiment with Swedish death cleaning is a bit different, but we must realize that we didn't fill up our homes in a day, so we won't be able to declutter them overnight either. Next, about this Swedish death cleaning concept, most people will think that this is only for people in their later years in life. You know, after all, the book was written by a woman who describes her age somewhere between 80 and 100. It can be helpful for those that are younger, too. The Swedish death cleaning concept can be a good way to bridge that conversation of decluttering and inheritance with your parents. The book offers these conversation starters to make it easier, and I'm going to quote them from the book. Number one, you have many nice things. Have you thought about what you want to do with it all later on? Number two, do you enjoy having all this stuff? Number three, Could life be easier and less tiring if we got rid of some of the stuff that you have collected over the years? And number four, is there anything we can do together in a slow way so that there won't be too many things to handle later? Okay, side note, some of these I find a little abrasive for the American market, but after living overseas and in Europe, I can see how some of these would go over okay in other countries. So just Take these ideas, modify them, and present them to your family if this is a topic that's of interest to you or you think is something that you should be working on with your parents. But in addition to it being a way that you can talk to your parents, I actually see this as an interesting way to look at stuff now that I'm a parent. So my husband and I each have a few toys from when we were kids, and at different points we've asked if our daughter wanted to play with them. Some things are a definite yes. But there's a lot of things that are a no. Now, she has her own things. And quite honestly, toys are really different now than they were 30 plus years ago. Sometimes there's a little bit of a sting when the answer is no. But we must remember that our brain is the one attaching emotion to the thing. The other person doesn't have the same memories or feelings. So we need to try to not feel slighted if someone's not as excited about our stuff as we are. And... Really, when I think about all the things we have in our homes these days, not just mine in particular, but kind of as a societal um, generality, there is less focus on heirloom quality pieces these days. And so there's probably not as many items that will be worth passing down to the next generation. And that's made it a bit easier for me to declutter along the way as well. Now, 
Of course, there will be things that we will inherit and maybe those things will be the ones that we want to pass on. But those are all things that we have to think about when we get there. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Okay, so now I want to change the focus from what Swedish death cleaning is And I want to look at some of the more unique aspects and how it differs from functional decluttering. Now, functional decluttering is probably the process that you're the most used to. That's really what we use the most in the U.S. And it's taking the things that we have and seeing if they're functional, beautiful, if we like them and if they're useful. So the first way that this method of decluttering is different is that uh, Margareta suggests that you begin with items that are hidden away. Those things that you have stored away maybe in your attic or your garage or other, you know, tucked away places. Now, these items are currently out of sight, out of mind, or they're things we keep just in case or that we want to pass on to others. Now, this is really different than functional minimalism because generally I suggest that you start with a smaller place like your closet or a bookshelf, things that are uniquely yours, um, that they're not anybody else's in the home. And it's usually easier to start with these small places because it allows you to build up momentum to those larger and often more difficult areas. But when I thought about it, With the mind shift of getting rid of the things that you don't actually use or even see on a daily basis, you know, I can see how someone would benefit from dealing with these large areas first. The problem I see here is that you don't get an immediate visual reward in your home, so you're going to put in all this hard work and not really see the progress in your daily life, but there definitely will be a great sense of accomplishment. Another way that Swedish death cleaning is unique from functional decluttering is that Margareta suggests telling your friends and family when you start the process of decluttering so that they can feel free to come and claim things before you throw them away or donate them to charity. This one is really different. I don't think a lot of us think about inviting our friends over to look at the stuff we're getting rid of. The Swedish death cleaning method, it really has a much bigger focus on sharing your items with your loved ones. And she incorporates this idea of friends and family taking your stuff by designating a room, a closet, or an area in your home for these items. 
These could be items that are valuable, have sentimental significance, or that you plan to pass down at some later time. And yes, of course, that later time, I mean when you die. So in her own life, when she was downsizing, the author sectioned her home into rooms labeled for different items. She had items to keep, sell, move, give away, and toss. It's a bigger version of the five box method that I discuss in episode three, where I go into our favorite methods for decluttering really quickly. I'll be sure to link to that episode in the show notes so you can learn more if you want to dive deeper. This was a way for Margareta to be able to process the items in her home more easily. Now, by sorting this way, she was able to take her time and label items to be given to specific people, and it made it much simpler for her to keep it all straight mentally. Now, this way, when friends came to visit, she invited them into her room filled with items to give away to see if there was something that they would like to take home. Even if this sounds a bit crazy to you, there are other ways to incorporate this into your life. For example, I used to do a clothing exchange with a group of girls in Colorado. We were close in size and age, and we'd get together twice a year to purge our closets and shop for new-to-us clothes that the others had brought. Anything left over went straight to donation at a women's shelter, and it was a lot of fun and a total win for everyone. Now, I can also see this working really well with parents and things that their kids have outgrown especially because kids don't use their stuff that, that long because they grow so quickly and people generally have kids in different age groups. So that might actually be something that I look to put together with our friends. Now, more recently, I exchanged an Apple Watch for a Phil and Ted's traveler crib with a friend. Now, it was a win for her because she switched to Android, so she no longer needed the watch, but has a baby who could use the most amazing travel crib ever. And it was a win for me because we no longer needed that awesome travel crib now that our daughter is seven, but I was really craving a smartwatch. In my opinion, these are the kinds of things that you want to gift to your friends and loved ones, not those crappy, overloved items that no one but you could love. And that's really the secret. These are quality items that the other people would love and find useful. It's a really considerate way of giving to others instead of just pawning off your hand-me-downs. Get it? Okay. And one of the final tips Margareta gives that is different than functional decluttering is to create a throwaway box. Now, this is a box that is filled with items that mean a lot to you, but really nothing to anyone else. This box could hold uh, any number of things, you know, things like old love letters, programs, memories from traveling. It could be a dried flower, a stone with a funny shape, or a little beautiful shell. The idea is that your friends or family may look through this box, with your permission, of course, and get rid of anything inside of it. And of course, while you're still around, you get to enjoy all of those lovely little things. I don't necessarily like the idea of a throwaway box because, again, you're tucking something away and not looking at it. So I think a great way to incorporate this might be to have a shelf designated to these items or somewhere in your home to put them on display. Because if they're special to you, I think it would be a travesty to hide them away while you're still alive to enjoy them. But just leave a note about the shelf so others know your intentions. And finally, some sage advice that I think we can all agree with, whether you're on board with Swedish death cleaning or not. 
She has three tips here. One is to shred or throw away anything that could be upsetting, hurtful, or embarrassing for your family to find. We don't need to hold on to these things that make us feel bad or guilty while we're alive. Let them go. The past is the past and you can choose to move on. So let go of anything that is upsetting, hurtful, or embarrassing for yourself or for your family to find. Number two, leave your photographs, letters, and journals until last. Now, as anyone who has ever tried to declutter but gone down a rabbit hole of childhood mementos can attest, it is all too easy to get stuck in the vortex of nostalgia and procrastinate from getting any actually actual decluttering or tidying done. So leave those for the very end. And three, for anyone who's very sentimental and attached to their things, death cleaning is a great chance to actually ask people if they want your stuff. As Margareta says, to know something will be well used and to have a new home is a joy. And now I want to know your thoughts. What do you think of Swedish death cleaning? Are there some new strategies from today's show that you want to try out? Or do you think the whole thing is crazy? I'd love to hear about it. Come on over to the free Wannabe Minimalist Facebook group and share your thoughts from today's episode. I'm so excited to hear from you and help encourage you on your journey toward less stuff, more happiness, and an awesome life. Now, the group is totally free and you can find us by clicking on the link in the show notes or by searching for Wannabe Minimalist on Facebook. I want to meet you there and hear about your journey. Learning from all of you is one of my favorite things, so I really do hope to see you there. And don't forget, if you'd like to get all of the show notes for today's episode, you can find it at littlegreenbow.com slash 32. Once again, get all the show notes and the links for everything I talked about today on my website at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 32. While you're there, be sure to check out my minimalist starter kit for families. It's filled with helpful tips that I have learned along the way that will help you simplify, get your family on board, declutter faster than you ever thought possible, and just be the resource you need to start taking action. Before we go, as always, I love hearing from you. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics you'd like to see addressed, please reach out either via email at hello at littlegreenbow.com or at Facebook at facebook.com slash littlegreenbow. That just about wraps it up for this episode of the Wannabe Minimalist Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, I would be absolutely delighted if you would leave a review on iTunes so that others can find us as well. And while you're there, please take a second to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. And finally, be sure to join me again next week when I'll be talking with Caitlin Ede of The Disguised Supermom about how she manages her home of five kids. She's sharing her best tips about homemaking and how to manage a busy house as we head into a summer of virtual camps and unknowns for the fall school schedule. It's a good one. I'll see you then. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, 
out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 